Jason, my man, we are 2-0. We have a huge show tonight. I'm so excited. We're going to jump right in so quick tonight. Uh, we've got Les Johns with us from live from Wake Forest. Uh, we've got Richie Longshots coming up later. He is, oh man, I am, um, yeah, I, I've got the swear jar out and we'll see what happens there. Uh, we've also got... Um, We've also got John Manson coming up later to recap UAB. But let's start this uh, 2-0 party, right? Uh, I, first of all, I'm so excited to be 2-0 as we bring in Les Johns live from Wake Forest. You're covering the soccer game down there. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Uh, we got a few questions for you. My first question is more of a general um, – and I'm going to take this uh, logo off my head real quick so people can see me. Give me a second. My first question is more of a general um, program trajectory question. I don't know how long you've been following Wake Forest, but here at Liberty, over the past five years, we've gone from the doldrums of FCS, barely making the playoffs, to where we have been ranked number 17 to finish the season in the FBS. Uh, we're 2-0, and and we've just had this huge uh, trajectory. And I guess my question to you is, Wake has experienced something similar, obviously, at the P5 level. How have your fans reacted? How have the boosters reacted? How has the donors and the and the and the uh, booster club, in terms of money given, the crowd support, season tickets, has all that kind of come along with the program? And uh, you know, are you guys still waking up pinching yourselves that you're a top 25 FBS football program and you're not a basketball school? <laughs> well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. You. Uh... You, you went to me live, I think, right as the Deeks scored in the soccer match. So what had been a kind of quiet environment for me kind of changed to the Wake Forest theme song right as, a, right as I got on. So that was kind of a fortunate or unfortunate kind of at the same time. Um, I've been covering the Deeks since 2014. Uh, my first day in North Carolina was like mid-September 2014. It was the very first season with Dave Clawson as a head coach. And the first two years, uh, Clawson went three and nine here, three and nine, three and nine. And then things started to build after that. And now they've been to, what, six straight bowl games. Uh, last season, the Gator Bowl, 11 and three, ACC Atlantic Championship champions. Um, and it's not like last year was an anomaly. There was a building process, right? And, 
you know, each year they got progressively better, progressively better until, like I said, that 11 and three season last year, they're ranked number 19 in the country right now, a two and zero after a 45, 25 win over Vanderbilt. And there is excitement around the program. There's a lot of engagement on Demon Deacon Digest at the message board. There's a tremendous amount of facility investment uh, to support Dave Clawson in the program. They've recently signed him for, for a contract extension. You know, it got to the point last season where other other programs were kind of feeling around, and, and he was rumored to be involved in the Virginia Tech search. And uh, Athletic Director John Curry signed uh, Clawson and his assistant staff. Uh, it pro- provided more money for, for the assistants and, and signed him to, to a nice bonus and a, and a lengthy extension. Um, so there is a lot of excitement around the program, but I think – much like what you guys have seen, it's not just like a one-year, you know, anomaly. The thought here at Wake Forest is that this is kind of, kind of the new normal that they're just going to be good at football now. That the foundation's been laid the right way, and that Wake Forest is kind of here to stay. Yeah, Les. Thanks for joining us tonight. I've had kind of a question, maybe a broader one, about just the recruiting makeup and how that changes programs. Obviously, as as success comes, so then do the recruits, of course. And North Carolina is such an interesting state with uh, with with the number of Power Five schools, as Chad alluded to a minute ago. But what are you starting to see now from the program, from a recruiting perspective? Now that there's some national attention attention coming back to the program, and you guys are having some success. Well, there's the national attention, and then there's also the fact that there's now 12 Demon Deacons that are in the professional ranks, you know, at the NFL level, you know, playing every Sunday. So those, those kind of things are being noticed by recruits. I say that, but there's this flip side that Wake Forest is probably going to remain Wake Forest, and they're going to remain true to their identity. It's going to continue to be a program that develops folks. They're still not likely to be, bring in a ton of four- and five-star recruits. Uh, and if you look at the track record, there are more two-star recruits in the NFL from Wake Forest than there are four-star recruits. Basically, Dave Clawson's a firm believer in redshirting. Uh, it's very rare that you see a, a prospect come through and play in Winston-Salem that hasn't set for a year and use that year to develop, get bigger, faster, stronger. And they also have a pretty rigorous academic environment here at Wake Forest. So it's not exactly a school that's going to have the same national attraction uh, as an Alabama or Georgia, for instance. You know, it's it's a different environment at Wake Forest, and they're going to have to continue to recruit to that environment and finding and finding prospects that want to play football, but also do actually care about the ad- academic piece of it as well. All right, without mentioning a certain um, a certain comment by one of our defensive linemen today that you tweeted out, without mentioning that, please. Uh, oh, no, there it is on the screen. I didn't want to bring that up. All right, Les, here's the question. You guys have this unique offense where you kind of like, I watched some highlights today, and you guys are putting the ball in the belly of the running back, holding it there for a second or two, much longer than I've ever seen in my life. Hugh Freeze was commenting in his, in his pregame or his uh, his press conference this week. He said, it's a unique offense that you don't see around the country very much. Is that what he's talking about? Is that is that the main the main difference that makes you guys unique is the way you guys do that RPO? Or are there other things that Clawson has that makes it a unique offense? Why was Hugh Free saying that? Uh, and Kirby, you can take that off of the screen immediately. Thanks, man. <laughs> would, would you guys characterize characterize it as unique or cute? I'm just curious. 
Oh no, it's unique. Uh, it's winning ball games. Uh, we we love it, and uh, it's very scary. That's what we're gonna yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, quite honestly, my jaw dropped when that quote came spewing out. So that was a that was a good quote. Fun times. Um, I would say that that is the gist of it. It is the slow mesh RPO system, and basically, why Sam Hartman's got that ball in the belly of the running back. He's scanning not only at the defensive line, but also at the second and third levels of the defense to see, you know, are there are there openings right there immediately for the running back to, to take advantage of? Is the receiver already breaking free? Where are there good matchups? Those type of things. So it really is a, a read offense in the moment. You know, Sam Hartman is making, you know, decisions, you know, in, in less than seconds, right? And, and the, the ball goes to the open man. You know, whether that's the running back, whether that's Hartman himself as a keeper or is it or down the field to to, to wide receiver. Uh, it is a pretty intricate offense. It is pretty unique. From my understanding is Stanford is kind of picking up and implementing some aspects of it this season. Uh, and it's it's produced 41 points a game last season for the Deeks. You know, the proof is kind of in the pudding. You know, there's not too many teams that have really been able to slow it down. Les, what are you seeing as you have you've, uh, studied the Flames a little bit as we come to town on Saturday? What kind of things are you looking forward to in the game? How do you think the matchup is playing out on paper? Well, Dave Clawson was extremely – I mean, probably especially after the after the one quote hit yesterday, Clawson and the players were over the top, you know, complimentary of Liberty today, you know, talking about the nine turnovers especially, you know, about the, the ball-hawking defense, you know, the fact that, that you guys don't give up – anything easy um and i haven't yet watched a ton of uh, liberty my guy cam lemons at, at the demon deacon digest is a guy who usually does our film reviews but i'm understanding that that it's going to be quite a quite an quite a fun game this saturday Les, before we keep going here I, I, tell us where i mean you have you, you got a lot going on tell us mainly where we can find you other than your your twitter account which we'll put on here um <laughs> Uh, where, where can we find you and, and uh, you know, what, what are you doing down there with, with the Demon Deacons? Yeah, I am the publisher of Demon Deacon Digest. That's in the 24-7 Sports Network. And like you said, you can find me at Les underscore Johns or at DemonDeaconDigest.com. Um, I've been in the market covering the Deeks. Uh, this is my ninth season. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's been a blast. I'm a, I'm a University of Kentucky graduate. My first job out of college was a a, uh, a a newspaper daily daily newspaper in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, called the Kentucky New Era. And then shortly after I was there for about a year, I got the opportunity to come here and cover the Deeks, and uh, been doing it ever since. So here's the question: uh, with with you know, obviously you have a long history of basketball there, and as as a Kentucky graduate, you might appreciate <laughs> this question even more. Is Wake Forest a basketball school or a football school right now? Right now, in the la- in this era of, of students who are going there, would you categorize it as a basketball school or a football school, or are you going to kind of kind of do the non Calipari and and say it's both? Well, I would say I'll, ha- I'll have to answer this as if Athletic Director John Curry is listening to my answer here because you never know where he might be lurking. I would say it's it's much more than those two because right now the Demon Deacons are number four in the country in soccer, right? 
you know, field hockey has won multiple national championships. You know, men's tennis has won national championship within the last five years. There's quality, you know, collegiate athletics littered all over this campus. I say right now football has the edge in terms of recent success. But historically, uh, basketball has been incredibly important to Wake Forest students and the community here. And Steve Forbes in the second year had the best like single season turnaround in program history. I think they're on the come up, as, as the kids would say. And uh, there's a lot of good times uh, ahead for, for Wake Forest basketball. All right, Jason. Swan. Yeah, Les, I was just going to say, too, We've uh, for our fans that are watching tonight and uh, listening to the broadcast tonight, we should have a pretty good contingency of Flames Nation making the trip south and uh, yeah. littered with red Yeah, littered with red throughout the stadium. What can we expect there on, on game day? Give us a feel of what uh, game day is like at your place. Well, I, I think they, people will be excited to see uh, the D-Town uh, area, which has, you know, a lot of uh, – it has got live music, food trucks, uh, you know, and and obviously they had the Deacon walk two and a half hours before before the game, which I'm sure you know Liberty Flames fans won't care to see, obviously. But uh, it's a it's a good atmosphere. It's been an atmosphere that's been improving in recent years since John Curry's been athletic director. And then and then uh, also you talk about the number of fans. I checked uh, I checked ticket sales uh, yesterday morning. I think it was. And it's looking like it could push close to a sellout. So I'm expecting a really fun uh, game day environment. And, you know, it's a game in which Wake Forest needs to make sure they don't look past because, you know, Clemson beckons the, the week after. So if, if uh, Wake Forest football players are looking at the calendar, look at the schedule and look past the flames, it could be it could be a bad night in Winston-Salem for, for the Deeks. It's time for you to get off and uh, run over to the men's soccer press conference, post-game press conferences, uh, number four in the nation. That's pretty cool. Uh, look forward to all your coverage. I've been loving uh, loving your tweets this week and uh, kind of following along. So we will be doing that. Um, so thank you for your time. Get over to the soccer uh, soccer game post-game. And here's a, here's a unique thing we're going to do. We're going to play your intro video. We're going to play it on your exit. So here, here's, here's the here, – I wanted to tell you this, Les – that uh, I saw on your profile that you're into Funko Pop. Never heard uh-huh. of that, but we picked out a nice selection of music for your for your intro slash outro video here. So make sure you stay around, listen to that music, and uh, let me know what you think about it. Thank you so much, Les, for your time, and uh, and we will actually we'll see you on Saturday. I'll come up and say hello. So uh, look forward good to seeing you guys. Thanks yep, for thank you up. very I really much. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, thank you very much. All right, into the live with 55. Let's get it. Let's get it. And main man, uh, first of all, let me just say that uh, incredible, incredible performance this week, this week, by the, from my perspective, I don't know how you guys graded out, and we'll talk about that here in a minute, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that the O-line never gets any shine or never gets any appreciation, but Jason and I just wanted to kind of clap and say, that was beautiful, we loved it, we're 2-0, and 
Uh, and it was an incredible performance. I saw tweets all week this week about the po- the pockets have cleaner for a quarterback at Liberty. Uh, the run game, you guys were, were in on it. Um, so how's that for praise? How's that for an intro? And uh, tell me your thoughts on the game at UAB this past weekend. Yeah, very proud of our group. Uh, that's kind of what we're working towards, what you saw on Saturday. So um, I know a lot of people were saying stuff about it. We're super uh, excited about what we put on tape, but it's a what have you done for me lately world, and we're already focused on next week So uh, or this week. So uh, great job by our group this week. Um, great pockets. Thought we rushed very well and ran hard in the second half, warmed down and um had more guys play you know the depth really showed and uh, overall great week that's what we're working towards to have every week for you guys brendan you kind of segued into my question man i feel like um sometimes it's a tale of two halves right i mean the way the way the first and first and second quarters go and then I, it just seems like the coaching staff are the kings of halftime adjustments you know you guys just always either looking at stat sheets or just uh, seeing what the offense or the defense are giving you respectively. But what kind of uh, adjustments did you guys make at halftime? Defensively, we saw a big difference, especially with the D-line, the way they were flying around in the second half and just absolutely uh, crushing, getting back into the backfield so much. But what kind of de- uh, changes were made at halftime and adjustments did you guys see that um, that you took advantage of? Yeah, going into a game like that, you don't know how they're going to play you because of uh, the type of quarterback that we had. So you kind of take a little bit of time to figure out what exactly they're going to show you. Um, and you kind of call certain plays to see how they line up to it. And then at halftime, when all the coaches are together, obviously they make their adjustments and um, they do their part. And then for us, um, I've mentioned it every single week. It's the way we practice. So we practice very, very hard. Uh, we believe we're in incredible shape. So I believe every third and fourth quarter, you're going to see a way different ball game out of our offensive line than you did in the first half regardless of how good or bad we did. Um, I think we're going to be a really, really good second half team this year. Our team's in shape. We got depth more than ever before. And um, our coaches' abilities to make changes and adapt to what's going on has definitely proven true over the last couple weeks. All right. Do a little heavy lifting here as the host of this here show. And I'm going to tell you guys about RT Rogers, the hat that Brendan's wearing my good friend Greg Rogers and uh, his dad actually started the company in Hinton, West Virginia. What they do is they deliver fuel, all kinds of fuel. They deliver propane and all your uh, your fuel needs for heating in West Virginia and six states there. Um, they can make it happen. I have known these guys for a long time. Greg is a Liberty alum. Uh, way back in the day, he comes to a lot of the games. He supports Liberty Athletics. That's the only reason he's supporting this podcast and this segment right now is because he loves Liberty Flames. And, uh, you know, I, I'm really thankful for Greg and that group and what they do to deliver um, to those to those who need that type of fuel. And, and you know what? In that part of the country in West Virginia, it's not easy to get fuel to places, you know, I've had it happen to me personally where my fuel tank ran ran out of I had a, a fuel furnace back in the day and it ran out of that diesel fuel heating fuel and it was in the middle of the night it was really cold and I had to call somebody here local and uh, that's what Greg and those guys do for everyone in West Virginia and all those hard places Greg thank you very much uh, so Brendan there you go that's how you do that man that's how you do that I, I just I just wanted to show you that uh, <laughs> here's 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 a Man, you kind of already took my question. 
was about the with about the third and fourth quarter, it was a significant improvement from what I could see. And I know you come on here every day and talk about the the uh, conditioning of your unit, but go ahead and just tell us again why why are you so confident in your conditioning? Is it the work that you put in this summer? Is it the depth? Is, is it a combination? Is it the commitment to uh, to your fitness? that everyone's making on that unit. What is it that has you guys playing so well in the third and fourth quarter? There's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, one of them's depth. Obviously, um, we have more guys than ever that can go in and play without a drop-off. That's number one. Two, uh, Coach Dom and his staff do a great job all summer, all spring, at uh, getting us ready, whether it's prowlers, running, um, just the way we lift. You know, it's strategically built for us to sustain ourselves during games, and it has proven true. And the third one is, as I said again, how we practice. Um, so during practice, we have individual periods that is when we work with our position coach, and that's before we typically face the defense and the, the scout team and um, do all that stuff. So every single position group gets with their coach for a couple, you know, periods during practice. And you work on stuff during that. And our coach has made it a priority that we're going to work on what we need to work on for the week, but we're going to do a lot of reps and we're going to do it as hard as we can. So first couple of days of fall camp are pretty brutal because you're not ready for that. Um, but you just go, go, go. And then now the games are easier than practice for us. So that's kind of the point we got at. It's all because of what we've done before. Um, to get here and the depth, the workout plans and um, the manner in which we practice specifically during individual period is, is the reason that we are conditioned the way we are. Brendan, what do you think about, uh, as you guys are, as you said, it's a short celebration, obviously you're uh, partying a little bit on Saturday night, but man, we got to get back to the grind right on Sunday and, and, and get going as you're gearing up here for uh, Demon Deacons and looking forward to what's ahead. What kind of things are you seeing on film so far for the defensive line that you're going to be paying attention to as, uh, as an offensive line unit? Yeah, our philosophy going into this game is that this game has to be won in the trenches, and that's every game, but specifically this game. Um, they have a very high-powered offense, so we have to put up points and match them and hopefully outscore them. So there's a big responsibility in that aspect, but uh, their defensive line, specifically the interiors, is the best that we've seen out of the three games so far. Um, potentially top unit that we'll see the whole season um, besides the other couple power fives. I think the two interiors are super talented. Um, they're typical ACCD linemen. They're about 6'1 to 6'3, about 290 to 310. They can move and they are strong. And that's how they are at all the teams. Um, you know, we've played a few of them before, so... The main keys of beating them are going to be, um, you know, using our depth to our advantage. Obviously, they have depth, but we believe in our conditioning. And then we got to we're gonna have a great game plan from coach. Um, and then the, the week of practice is big too. Um, you know, taking every single rep seriously, like it's going to be against that type of guy. And uh, so when you go out there, you're ready to go. So we're super excited. It's a great challenge. Both those guys are um, phenomenal players interior wise, and I'm looking for a big battle on Saturday. All right. <clears throat> so this is we're, we're kind of letting you off easy off the hook this week. We had a quick six, seven minute interview here. And uh, I just want to send you off here with this. You guys played incredible. It was so good to see the offensive line kind of kind of catch their way. I know you've been telling us 
that, that with the new coach and the conditioning and the scheming and all that it's, it's coming together. Um, you know, and, and that needs to be celebrated because we, you know, obviously we, we've come a long way in that area. So here's what we're going to do to send Brendan off. Everybody grab your glass of LU Kool-Aid. Go ahead. And, uh, if you're listening, if you're watching, go ahead and tap that to the camera. Cheers to the offensive line and the great performance you guys had, man. It was incredible to watch. It did not go unnoticed, so you don't have to pout all week about how nobody talks about the offensive line. We loved it, man. We were into it. We watched every second of it. And, uh, yeah, we'll just leave you here with the final uh, final, th- final thoughts here. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, happy with what, we're, what we've done the first two weeks, but uh, – you know, typical football answer as always. We got more work to do, so um, looking forward to get back to practice tomorrow, fine tuning the game plan for this week, and hopefully throughout the season we can have a couple more toasts. So, yeah, and here, here, one other thing. Sorry, one other thing here is if we go three and zero, I'm on the hook for a nose ring. Caden Salter's <laughs> got the nose ring. If we go three and zero, I'm on the hook for a nose ring. I want to know. Which of you two is going to get the nose ring with me if we go three and zero? Brendan, you probably shouldn't answer that. It's probably an NCAA violation. Jason, I'll text you later. We'll work on that nose ring later on. Uh, oh yeah, there you I'm go. I'm hurt, bro. Hey, you know I uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So all right, Brendan, thanks a lot, man. Good luck down in Wake Forest. We'll be there. We'll be cheering on the Flames. And uh, again, congratulations on the awesome performance Saturday night. It was fun to watch, and uh, I love seeing you guys succeed as an offensive line unit. So congratulations. Thank you. You guys have a good one. Good luck, Brandon. Well, hey, everybody. My name is Jason Porter. I'm with Legacy Real Team Development, and it's been a a great partnership here with Sea of Red lately. Uh, I was with Liberty Athletics as the Associate Athletic Director for Sports Medicine, so took care of all of the uh, healthcare needs and coordinated that with a fantastic staff at Liberty um, in the athletic department, of course, for about uh, five or six years, and then uh, moved into real estate full-time and uh, with Legacy Real Team Development. And uh, it's just been a great pleasure to continue to stay connected with my Liberty University uh, family and the athletics family as well. I've been enjoying serving them. Uh, a lot of the um, graduate assistants and some of the staff that I hired has come back now and has uh, been using me for residential services, which I really appreciate. But certainly do residential real estate as far as buying and selling of homes, of course. And then also uh, we have a strong commercial presence as well. So commercial real estate, um, obviously a very, very different animal than is residential. But uh, whether it's buying and selling commercial uh, properties or uh, just the leasing of properties, we can help with that as well. So it's uh, been a great uh, opportunity to service our commercial clients as well. And then certainly on the investment front, too, a number of um, folks who have discovered the power of passive income through real estate and investing in real estate with rental properties or fix and flips, those kind of things. And so great joy to, um, to serve my clients in that capacity as well. The uh, other thing that I would add, too, is just a very, very full Rolodex at this point of contractors and subs and just different professional contacts that I've made through the years. So if I can ever provide any of those folks to you and all of a sudden you need a plumber or an electrician or a contractor to build your deck, whatever, I'd certainly be glad to give you access to that Rolodex and those references as well, because a lot of times it's not exactly who you know, it's uh, who you know that knows how to do the job well. And so I would be glad to provide those services for you as well. So love Flames Nation, love taking care of um, my Liberty uh, family. And if there's ever anything I can do for you, my contact information is all right here on the screen. And I would love to be a service to you and yours. Thanks so much.
All right, Jason, thank you so much for uh, for everything you're doing with the Sea of Red and Liberty Flames Athletics. I hear you on the radio. I see you all over the place. But, man, it, you're killing it. You're doing a great job. It was awesome seeing you Saturday. And uh, your, little, your little guy there who was uh, – he, 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 he has no taste for anything but tackle football. That's all he wants to get into. I loved it. Um, so, yeah, man, thank you very much. The uh, Also, I wanted to say this real quick. Thank you for sponsoring the uh, the tailgate that we had. It was rainy. We had a good time, though. Had some good food. We'll be doing it again later on. But uh, those tailgates that a Sea of Red puts on where there's a lot of free food and everybody comes by and says hi, it's a good time to meet everybody. That's all sponsored by Jason. So thanks for doing that. Thanks for sponsoring this show and hanging out with us. Uh, dude, we're, we're kind of starting to get this chemistry and make a good team here, I think. So uh, fabulous work. Uh, you got any parting words here? Are you headed to North Carolina? Uh, what's going on? Yeah, just a lot of fun on Saturday for sure. It definitely we weren't quite as wet as uh, Soldier Field in Chicago for sure, but we had a good time doing that. And uh, yeah, my little dude's still talking about that. And even my one job was to keep him in his raincoat, and uh, that that wound up somewhere around his waist, playing with your son, uh, running around doing tackle tackle wet football. So we uh, went to the That's bathroom right. and uh, put his head underneath the dryer there and trying to freshen him up a little bit. But man, it's an honor to be with you guys and love uh, see you red and Flames Nation, man. Let's go. Yep, we'll talk to you next week, next Tuesday. All right, we are at the time of the show here where uh, you need to hide your kids, hide your wife. If you're on a dorm at Liberty, uh, you probably should should, uh, sign off, go off campus, do something. I'm not sure how this is going to go. I have have given him so many ground rules. I've got the leash on. Uh, I don't know what else to do. But without further ado, uh, it is time to bring on my man. Uh, Richie Longshots, and uh, go ahead and hit that. Go ahead and hit that intro video. This music gets me hyped up, and uh, we're gonna get it. So, Jason, have a good night, and uh, we're in for a ride here. And uh, oh, by the way, Nick, producer, before you hit that intro video, you need to find that mute button as fast as possible. Stay close to that mute button. Stay close to that exit button. Uh, abort mission. Uh, all of that. So uh, let's get Big it. Big delay. There he is. There he is live in person, Richie Longshots. All right, Richie, we have uh, built this thing up all day long that that um, you were going to be, you were going to be lay. It's so exciting to see you in action. You got, you got tilt hat on. I see you've got a Liberty uh, football Jersey. All are you're live in New Jersey right now, right? I'm live in New Jersey. I heard that intro. I almost started hitting the fist pump. Oh, like, man. Like my aunts and uncles did in the Jersey Shore back in the day. Awesome. I was going to say the first person, first of all, you're fresh off of the GTL, I'm sure. The first person that can put what GTL stands for in the comments in YouTube, we will send a free field hockey shirt uh field hockey school t-shirt too so the first person that puts what gtl is in the comments you'll get a free t-shirt uh just go ahead and put that in there we'll be watching all right richie uh i guess the first place we start is the liberty game coming up um you know what do you got this week honestly i wanted to also compliment you on two straight winning weeks week zero uh was a little rough but here we are at um three and two the last two weeks so, uh, yeah, what, 
What do you got for the Liberty game coming up? Well, Chad, before I jump into that, I just want to thank you for allowing me to be on here today because three weeks ago, people thought I was a dead man. People were chirping me on Twitter. People were chirping me on Instagram. I'm sure there were people on TikTok, Be Real, all the social medias. But little do people know that I'm the, I have Elmer Town staying power and I'm not going anywhere because after that, after that week zero, we rattled off two straight profitable, profitable weeks and I'm back. We're a couple of weeks away. We got to get this Jason Porter back on the screen because I might need to buy some property because if I'm winning too much, the government's going to catch on. So three and two, two straight weeks. I'm flirting with four and one. I'm flirting with it. Brother, sister dorm, hanging out the window, flirting with it. But this is this game. I'm, I'm not going to make some friends when I talk about this. Because I think Wake Forest is one of the best teams we are going to play. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, 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 no. All right. All right. All right. All right. I can tell where this is going. This is not going well. But (sighs) have no fear. I'm going to circle back. We're going to make this work. All right. I think Sam Hartman. I think Sam Hartman is an NFL quarterback. This is, I think, the toughest team we're going to play. I think they are as good as Arkansas. I think they are as good as BYU. They have Sam Hartman back from his injury. He is a NFL talent. He is going to be, they're going to be slinging the ball. It is homecoming, the toughest team that we are going to match up against. It is going to be homecoming. The stadium is going to be crazy. Our first road game, our only road game, it was against Southern Miss, who they don't have any fans, but apparently they just got some new volleyball arena, thanks to Brett Favre doing some more inappropriate texting. And That wasn't a true road game. We are now going into a road game where the fans are going to be going nuts. It is homecoming. I looked up that Deke Town that 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 first guy was talking about. They apparently get like 90% of their students showing up to these games. So it is going to be rocking. And right now, the line is 16 and a half. It opened up at 15 and a half. I thought it was going to be 21. Uh, Shout out to to Manson. He called that line right away. He said 15 and a half, 16 and a half. Um, I'm starting to think he's got a guy on the inside. But the line moved a little bit to 16 and a half. And I just think Wake is that good there, that deep. It is going to be homecoming. Sam Hartman's return uh, to Wake Forest Live. And full disclosure, I'm not going to bet the game. I'm not going to put my money and bet against Liberty. That would be wrong for me to do. So I'm going to give out the pick. I'm going to give out Wake minus 16 now 16 and a half again i'm not betting it but that's the pick i'm giving out that's the the pick that i'm willing to put onto my record for this week now the over under in this game is 63 and a half and that's a lot of points because liberty has not you know overtime game 21 points last week facing up against a good defense and i'm gonna be at the game live Going down to Wake Forest, this is the first Liberty game I've been to since like homecoming 2017. They almost threw me out of the Doc's Diner parking lot because they didn't like what was in my red solo cup. And I'm going back to Wake. And I refuse to go to this game and bet the under. I refuse. I would rather work at the Rot for 18 hours like I had to do in 2011 than go to this game live and bet the under. So I may sprinkle the over just because I'm there. I'm in the moment. I have to. I'm getting booed in the chat. I expected it. It's fine. I'm sorry. Again, I'm not telling you to bet the money. I'm just giving you what I think my pick would be. So I bet the over just to have some fun. 
Um, again, could be salter season. I'm gonna be in the I'm gonna be in the stands. I'm gonna steal a healthy amount of salt shaker packets from whatever concessions they have there, and I'm just gonna be launching them up. Should we end up victorious? Um, I'm in the nose salt shaker. I'll get a nose ring. I can't wear it because of what I do for a living, but I will get a nose ring for the picture uh, at Wake Forest on Saturday if we win. Oh man. Well, there was a lot to unpack there. So let me let me get this straight. You think Wake's going to cover the spread? Yeah. And you're betting the over because you're going to the game live. Yeah. But uh, typically, typically, you would just stay away from this game in in, in if you didn't have to give out a pick. Correct. I agree. All right. And I, I just see in the comments, homecoming absolutely is a dis- uh, distraction. It is a look ahead for Wake, but I I just don't buy a whole bunch into that look ahead for a team. Wake plays Clemson. Pretty much every year. So for them, that's not a look ahead. They play that game every year. This is not, you know, like they're playing Alabama or they're playing Tennessee, a game that sticks out. They're playing Clemson all the time. So it's not a total look ahead. It's a huge game for them. They've had it circled. But I just think with Sam Hartman, uh, a a veteran team, they're not going to let that kind of get the best of them. All right. As far as the rest of the slate, what are you willing to put on your record here that we're trying to keep above 500? Uh, what, what do you like? To, what do you like so far? Um, uh, producer Nick, can we flash that year to date record for, for long shots up here? And then also uh, long shots, go ahead and tell us your, uh, tell us what you got going on, cooking around the rest of the college football. Absolutely. I've been going back and forth this week. I'm here. I'm there. I'm like Chad's Twitter picture. It changes every 10 minutes. I just can't keep myself together. First game that I like, and this might be a little bit of a Homer pick cause I have some ties to Rutgers, but Rutgers. Might very well be a wagon this year. Two wins, huge upset over BC. They blew the doors off Wagner, and they are playing one of the worst FBS teams uh, outside of the Turtle 2, UMass, and UConn in Temple. Temple is bad. Uh, Huge game for Rutgers. This is a bit of a rivalry game, that whole tri-state area. Uh, I heard it through the grapevine that they're busing in like 20 buses of Rutgers students to this game. It's at Lincoln Financial Field. Rutgers? Sneaky. And I just think... Minus 17 and a half, got to jump on it. I don't get the opportunity to bet Rutgers a ton because I'm in New Jersey. So Rutgers minus 17 and a half. This is more so a bet against Temple than it is for Rutgers because I've seen Rutgers let me down uh, a million times. Uh, Next up, Kansas State Tulane. The over-under is 48. Right now in college football, I would not bet any under unless it's featuring one of the two Iowa teams because I'm just we're seeing points every which way. Uh, K-State has uh, one of the best running backs in the country in Deuce Vaughn. And Tulane can sling the, the ball a little bit as well. They are one of those frisky power five teams that always find a way to keep games close when they're playing. They're one, a G5 team that when they play a uh, power five team close. So I like that over 48. You need seven touchdowns. That's it. Seven. Two for three quarters and uh, one for the fourth quarter. Wham, bam. Thank you, man. You got yourself a cover. Next up. I never thought I would say these words in the year 2022 of our Lord that I'm going to bet on Kansas University football. They are catching 10. They have won. Uh, they won the first two games. They have the best offense in college football. They've rattled off 50-point games two straight weeks. Uh, they won last week on the road against uh, West Virginia. Um, they're playing Texas Tech. And Texas Tech has played two straight. Uh, I got to check my notes here. 
I think played two straight overtime games. Uh, two straight games, uh, Texas Tech went to double overtime and the triple overtime. They're going to be gassed. Kansas just won on the road. I have no doubt in my mind that they could go in, keep their streak going. They're putting up numbers, which is wild because it's Kansas. And they were at one point in that UMass, Rutgers, uh, UConn category of just terrible FBS teams. But Kansas plus 10. And last but not least. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Catch your breath for a minute. Catch your breath for a minute. This is incredible. The picks. I, they they, I they might qu- not be winners. No, I, no, I got a question for you. That's what my question is. Hit me. You're, you're spewing out all these stats, and you're loving these things on Tuesday night. Uh, how confident are you on Saturday when these things roll around? Are you So far this season, have you looked back and said, you know what? I'm going to roll with the Liberty line. Or are you like, oh, man, I, my, my, my vibes aren't right. My my, it's not checking out. Uh, how, how confident are you on these picks on Saturday, typically? When I commit to something, I'm all in. Obviously, oh, okay. there's a lot of there's a lot of time in between Tuesday night and Saturday. Things happen. Last week, they announced that Sam Hartman came back after I recorded it. So I got very lucky there. Uh, a lot of times, it'll flip the other way. I know the, the Old Dominion game, or week one, Old Dominion, Virginia Tech, I gave it out at seven and a half. The line moved like the other way. Like I ended up losing points and that's just the way it rolls. I understand that that's part of it. Normally I make my picks on a Friday night. Um, in years past, I'd lock in all my bets, track the line movement, start to make some, um, do some research, but it is what it is. It is what it is. We're along for the ride and we're just going to do, do what it says on the line. I'm riding the line, but I got one more game. Yeah, let's get it. I got one more and I'm going to be honest. I don't know what the number is, but sometimes you just got to throw the numbers out. And I see SMU against Maryland, two high powered offenses. Uh, So far this year, both teams have hung 500 yards. They're averaging 500 yards of offense so far this year. They're letting up 300 yards of offense and they aren't playing very good teams. So they're letting pretty bad teams score a ton of points on them. They got two as younger brother. Um, and they have uh, Tanner uh, Mordecai, who just slings the ball. The over, It's like 72 and a half. I could see this game just being like 52 to 49 after three overtimes and just an absolute runaway with it. Also, the game's on Fox Sports 1, which means you could get a Gus Johnson on the call. And there's nothing better than when you bet a, bet the over in a game and just and Gus Johnson's on the call because he's yelling, you're yelling, people at the bar are looking at you like you're a straight degenerate, but you don't care because you got Gus Johnson narrating your victory. But none of that will matter, Chad, because at the end of the day, I want the Flames to win. I'll go zero and five if it means that we walk out of Wake Forest with a victory. And I'm going to the game this weekend, my first game since 2017. And to be honest. I haven't had my $100,000 worth of fun yet when it comes to Liberty University. So I'm looking forward to getting down there, seeing what the tailgate holds. Chad's got me tickets to tailgates with the suits and all that. I don't know if I'm going to make it, but I'm going to be down there. And if you're out there, come say hi. I might have beverage. We'll see. We'll see where the night and the day and maybe even the morning takes us. All right. All right. I'm going to give ever standing ovation for... For a sea of red live that was incredible performance 
Look, man, I hope your picture is good as you are live and uh, appreciate all you're doing for us this year. And, uh, you know, we're, we're riding with the Liberty line uh, as always. So thank you very much. And we'll catch you again next week. We'll see you, Chad. Thanks for having me on. That was wild, and uh, he did a great job. Thankful for his uh, for his takes, his uh, personality. He's uh, very, very witty, very smart, very on the on the fly there. So uh, he does a lot of preparation for that segment, and it's been a lot of fun this year. All right, up next, and it is uh, the creator, founder, all things the Sea of Red. My good friend John Manson will be joining us. Go ahead and hit that intro. So. <laughs> John, you got a smile on your face. Uh, I'm not sure if that's because we're two and zero or because Richie Longshot's just uh, just killed it. Uh, what's going on tonight? Tonight, man, how am I supposed to follow up that guy? He, he's good. Where do you find these people at? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Liberty Twitter is a wild place, and it's a fun thing to be a part of. Uh, you know, what I see in the comments here by Paul. Congratulations, Paul. Uh, Paul Boyce won the extra large field hockey. GTL stands for Jim Tan Laundry. It's a Jersey Shore thing, and I'm sure Richie Longshots does that on a regular basis. Um, John, we'll go ahead and start with a question uh, straight from the chat from Ryan Callow. Kalo, uh, how do you think Case Salt's going to do this week? Um, and, and I'm going to set this question up a little bit with I think he improved the second half. Um, he went through um, – Talk a little bit about the media bashing that he went through um, with Hugh Freeze on Monday that had fans kind of freaking out. Is that a normal thing? But overall, how do you think he'll perform this week? Is Freeze pushing the right buttons? Uh, did the improvement in the second half give you kind of a hope that he will uh, have a good performance at Wake this this week? Um, what are you expecting from K-Salt this week? Well, we all know this isn't Hugh Freeze's uh, first rodeo, right? I mean, he's been around – a long time, right? He's been a head coach for a long time. He's been a head coach in the SEC. He knows how to work the media, play the media. He knows how to send messages through the media, through press conferences. Uh, so it's not like he just got out there and started rambling about uh, Caden Salter and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, no, what did I just say? No, he he knew what he was doing. Uh, he knows how these players are, or at least he hopes to think, how Salter will respond to this. Obviously, you know, Salter hasn't been playing for, for long. You know, he's only got the one start under his belt. Uh, so we don't exactly know how he'll respond, but but Freeze is hoping that he'll respond in a positive manner and he'll take that criticism, that public criticism well and respond positively. So, uh, you know, it's been a lot for Salter, you know, to get thrust into the role he's playing, right? I mean, he was third string. We talked about this last week. He was third string coming into the season. Then all of a sudden he's getting thrown in in the fourth quarter, down by touchdown, you know, and leads the team to to the win in four overtimes. And then this past week he's taken his first career start. UAB finally is the first team that has uh, some some game film on him. 
And uh, so he had to adjust to that and he'll have to adjust to that again this week as Wake Forest has a whole game plus a quarter and a few overtimes to uh, to, to game plan and scheme for him, knowing he's going to be the guy. But, yeah, I mean, I expect Salter, you know, there's going to be a lot of plays run. This will be the first time that Salter really gets to play with, you know, clean weather. I mean, it doesn't rain a lot in Texas, right? You know, he's not used to playing in a downpour like he had to play in Saturday night. So, and he he admitted that it, it affected him some. I expect a lot out of him, and Liberty's going to need a lot out of him. I think he's the key to the game. I think if Liberty's going to win, you know, even as good as the Liberty defense is, you know that Liberty's going to have to score 30, 40 points to even be competitive with Wake Forest. That's just how how it is. Uh, but I expect a lot out of Salter and I expect him to have some really good, really gaudy numbers uh, this weekend against uh, Wake Forest. Yeah, I mean, you can see his numbers there. 14 carries, 71 yards, one TD. Uh, he was 13 for 25, 202 with a 56.9 QBR. You know what I have kind of noticed is he doesn't try to do too much. I mean, he's always looking downfield, but he's not willing to take that risk and maybe throw an interception um, when we can't afford it. So I've been really impressed so far as a redshirt freshman with both uh, Freeze calling the plays and Caden executing. Um, I would I would have said we would not be 2-0 and if, if this was the case. If we had to start a redshirt freshman – um, in week two against UAB, a team that I think is going to win nine or ten games this year, I would not have said we we're going to be two and zero. So credit to those guys for finding a way to win. And yeah, he's only going to improve and get better. Um, you know, Freeze was hard on him in the media this week, but I'm with you. That's a veteran coach who knows exactly what he's doing, and I think he's kind of telling us the truth. Honestly, I think that he is telling, speaking some truth into Cadence, uh, you know, via the media. And, and and whatever he's telling at the press conference, I am a thousand percent sure he's having those same conversations, if not a little bit uh, more in depth with Caden himself prior to doing that or very shortly after. So uh, Freeze is pushing all the right buttons. He knows what he's doing. I didn't panic too much. I saw those comments and I saw some fans kind of like, you know, uh, kind of panicking there. All right. <clears throat> Next question, John, is about 2-0. We're 2-0 and here starting the season. Uh, we obviously have a difficult matchup here against Wake Forest. Um, are you surprised we're 2-0 and at this point? Um, and Especially given that our starting quarterback got hurt uh, halfway through game one. And then secondly, uh, along with this question is, what would a win at Wake Forest mean? What are the implications? I mean, uh you know, what all could happen for this program if we get that win on Saturday? So it's kind of a twofold question. Do you expect to be here? Did you expect to be here? And uh, what could this win on Saturday mean for the program? So first of all, at the tailgate on Saturday before the game, you're giving me a hard time for my answers being so long winded in this in our session being up so quickly. Then you give me two questions like that, which each one requires at least three or four minute answers. So, you know, I don't know what to tell you, but um, yeah, I mean, if you go back to look at our two and O, our preseason uh, schedule predictions that we put out and put a video up on YouTube and did, I think, I think that was part of a podcast too, the first week maybe. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think we both predicted two and O. I, I know I predicted two and O. You might have picked a UAB loss. I don't remember. But anyways, yeah, I predicted us to be two and O going into this game. I thought that these first three games were the most important 
uh, really on the season, you know, because if you come out 0-2 or, or I guess 1-2 and or 0-3 in the first three games, then, uh, you know, that's going to be difficult to recover from and even to get to six wins and be bowl eligible. Um, but now that you're 2-0, and you've got a chance to really set yourself up for a special season. And, and you know, to answer your question, I thought we would beat Southern Miss all along going into that game. It, even in the middle of the game, I thought we would, and probably until the fourth quarter when the offense was looking really unstable and we were trailing by a touchdown and JB had just thrown that pick six. That was the first time I was kind of like, okay, I'm not sure how this is going to play out. Uh, and then last week I predicted Liberty to win, but – my gut was not feeling too settled, if you will. Uh, so I, I didn't know. I, and I felt really uncomfortable in the first half of the game Saturday against UAB. Uh, and not until we got a lead did I, I start to feel a little bit more com- comfortable about it. So, yes, I am slightly surprised we're 2-0, and uh, but but not crazy. Um, and what was your other question? Oh, what would this game? What would this game mean? Yeah, I mean, you know, this this is a huge game. I mean, it's so easy. I've got an article coming out that'll be published on Thursday that I I finished writing today that um, kind of talks about the importance of this game. But yeah, uh, you know, going into Wake Forest, you know, yes, we're sixteen and a half point underdogs. That's a huge mountain to to climb, right? And and Wake Forest won eleven games last year. They returned most of their production. I think seventy percent of their productions back. Uh, obviously, Sam Hartman's back. They they got their eyes on bigger and, and you know big prizes, right? ACC championships, college playoffs, New York Six bowls, all that sort of thing. So uh, they're you know yeah they got Clemson next week, but I don't they're well coached. They're not going to overlook Liberty. Um, so, yeah, it's a huge mountain to, to climb. But if Liberty were to somehow win this game, if you look at the schedule following, you've got Akron next week at home, which Liberty will be a 17-point favorite roughly uh, in that game. Then you've got ODU on the road. Yes, ODU beat Virginia Tech, uh, but then they went and lost to East Carolina this past week. And I think that that first game was, yes, ODU's improved, but – I think it's also a little bit of a testament about Virginia Tech as well, too. So, And we have to remember the last two times we played at ODU in the last three or four seasons, the final score of those games. So have they made up 30 or 40 points against Liberty in one year? I doubt it. So, you know, Liberty be favored. It'll be a tough game, though, no doubt. And then uh, I forget exactly how it falls, but UMass and Gardner-Webb are in there as well. And, um, you know, but anyways, Liberty could be, you know, if they were to win Saturday – against Wake Forest, they could, you know, they would be favored to win their next four games and could is a lot of ifs and coulds and all that. But, and coach freeze would be so mad at us if he listened to this segment right now. So don't listen coach. Uh, but anyways, if, if they got, they could get to seven and O and seven and O going into, if you look at the schedule, BYU week, which we all know what BYU, they just beat Baylor, a top 10 team. I think they're ranked number 12 right now in the top 25. Uh, so I know they got Oregon and a couple other tough games on their on their docket uh, coming up. So you don't know how they'll do either. But you could have a top 20, a top 15 type matchup. You know, if Liberty 7-0, I would think they'd be ranked by that point. They should be ranked by that point, especially beating a, a team like Wake Forest. So just put yourself in that in that spot. If you got a top 15 matchup, an undefeated Liberty, a six and one, seven and zero BYU uh, in late October in Lynchburg. I mean, the story is kind of right themselves there. So I mean, yeah, it's it's a huge game. I appreciate you uh, giving the effort to try to get that all in in like four minutes. That was good. 
uh, yeah, Mormons versus the Evangelicals in Lynchburg, both ranked in the top 20. That's easily college game day material. A lot riding on this game Saturday. John, what is what is the way that we can win? What is it going to take for Liberty? What have we done well so far in the first two games? And what do we need to clean up from those first two games? And and what have you seen from Wake Forest? Uh, what do we need to do Saturday to win the game? Do you think we'll pull another Virginia Tech uh, scheme where we kind of hold on to the possession and try to run and try to milk the clock forever and then and try to win it on a last-second field goal? Do you think we try to uh, unleash the beast that is K-Salt with – all kinds of plays. What is it? Um, you know, do you think, honestly, I'll give you my opinion after you go, but what is it going to take? What have you seen from Liberty so far this year? And what have you seen from Wake Forest? What is it going to take for us to win that game Saturday down in Wake Forest? Yeah. You know, we're talking about how important this game is or how big the game is. I don't think important is the right word, but how big the game is just for Liberty and their season this year, um, you know, and possibly getting to a seven and or a very gaudy record. Um, but at the same time, Liberty's also playing with house money a little bit too, because being two and oh, getting those first two wins under your belt that were, you know, toss up games um, that were both decided by one score, one of them going to four overtimes. Right. And now you go into a game where you're, a, you know, three score underdog. Uh, so Liberty's playing with a little bit of house money. They have nothing to lose. Everybody's expecting them to lose to Wake Forest and no harm, no foul if that happens. Um, you know, so yes, it's a big game, but at the same time, Liberty is kind of not got a light, lot to uh, lot to lose. Um, but yeah, I mean, to pull the upset, it's going to take a lot. I mean, Liberty's going to have to play a near perfect game to be able to pull the upset. I mean, you got to win the turnover battle, which Liberty's done each of the first two games. Uh, you know, can they get another three, four, five turnovers? Uh, you know, and if they get those turnovers, they have to turn around and score off those turnovers, right? I mean, against UAB, they got four turnovers, which helped, you know, keep them off the scoreboard and keep them from scoring and uh, stalling some of their drives and things like that. But Liberty didn't score any points off the turnovers. That's not going to happen. That You can't do that and win against Wake Forest. Uh, Saturday night, you can't get three plus turnovers and then not score off those. So Liberty has to do that. Um, the defense also has to keep things, you know, within reach. I mean, it can't be one of these games where we're trying, we're exchanging scores every, every possession that that's not going to, you know, Liberty's not going to be able to put up 50 points against Wake Forest with Caden Salter in his second start, you know, two years from now. Could they? Yeah, I think they could. But today, I'm not sure that that's the type of game we want to get into. Um, so Liberty's got to win the turnover battle, has to take advantage of those said turnovers and score. And kind of going along with that is Liberty has to be very efficient and win the red zone battle. When they get in the red zone, they need touchdowns, not field goals. And on the flip side, when Wake Forest gets in the red zone, which they're going to do with this out offense and how talented they are, Liberty needs stops. They need to hold them to field goals, create some turnovers like they've done so far this year, and also need to play a near perfect game, you know, in all the other facets of the game, right? You know, can't have special teams miscues, need to make your field goals that you have, extra points, et cetera. So, you know, no blocked kicks, you know, stuff like that, you know, uh, no inopportune penalty. I mean, you have to 16 and a half point favorites. You got to play close to perfect and win the turnover battle. But, uh, you know, so those are kind of my, my main keys to the game. Uh, K salt needs to, to play well. He needs to be efficient. He needs to trust his reads. 
trust his progressions, not bail out of the pocket like Freeze was talking about. Uh, and, you know, because Wake Forest has got some fast defensive linemen, fast linebackers. They'll be able to, you know, limit those gains where in high school he might have picked up 10 or 12 yards. He might be getting a two-yard gain. And now Liberty's got, you know, third and nine instead of, you know, uh, picking up a first down and a second down pass or something like that. But, but yeah, so those are, those are some of my main keys to, to the game. And, and Liberty, I think the key also, too, is uh, Hugh Freeze has said this, too, is, is get it into the fourth quarter where you're within striking distance and then see what happens. That's what happened against Virginia Tech. You got into the fourth quarter where you were within striking distance, and then you never know what's going to happen. All it takes is one mistake one way or the other to kind of flip the game. And then the, the favorite, the home team, is also playing, you know, a little panicked, a little scared, uh, scared to make a play, playing not to lose, that sort of thing. So that's when you see some of these upsets happen. Well, uh, let me just say, oh, I watch a lot of college football and NFL football analysis shows and they never give specific answers like that. They're always like, oh, the team that wins the turnover battle or the team that has the most yards. So that was good stuff there. Here, here's my two keys to the game to win. Liberty has to be able to get pressure with our front four without blitzing. Okay, so we've been able to do that so far, but this is a different animal. Wake Forest has a very, uh, very uh, what, do you, what do you say, uh, advanced, mature uh, – uh, experience that's the word i'm looking for offensive line so if Darrell johnson and uh all of those guys up front i'm not gonna be able to name all of them because it's a group of like eight of them uh if those guys Darrell has been playing incredible uh, free free said he had his best game at uab or when uab came to town if that unit can get pressure with just four guys rushing i think that has to happen for us to win there's no way we're going to be able to stop sam hartman if we're if we have to blitz two or three guys just to get some pressure on the quarterback. Um, so, and they have a very experienced offensive line. So um, that's what I'll be paying attention to. Um, Kendy Charles, whenever he's in and, and, and all of those guys up front, can they get pressure with just four people? That's, that's a key. The other key that I had, <coughs> excuse me, is basically uh, the, it falls back on the defense. Can we get those turnovers again like we, we've been getting? I mean, those have been very critical for us to, to be 2-0 and is is the turnover battle, and we've won that so far. A lot of them have been uh, tips. A uh, few of them have been forced fumbles, um, but we've also had a little bit of luck. And I'll throw a third key out there, John, and I hate to be critical. I hate to be critical on this show, but it has to be said. Our special teams unit, has to step up every game they cost us every game and i'm sorry i'm going to get on a little soapbox here and i'm going to preach for a minute we have missed field goals we have kicks out of bounds we have muffed punts we have uh long returns given up we don't have any scores on off i mean special teams so that unit Tanner Burns, he's going to get those guys ready and study up on the film. I mean, there's not much you can do whenever you have a perfect snap, a perfect hold, perfect protection, and you just miss the kick. But there is some things you can do whenever you're giving up big plays in the return game or you are like the other night. The other night, we come down there, and the guy calls a fair catch, and we just go and plow right into him, give up 15 yards. It didn't hurt us in that that case, but – 
special teams has to be cleaned up. And I'm sorry, I hate to be critical. I hate to be critical because, uh, you know, it's it's not my job to sit here and beat up the flames. My job is to kind of promote the flames and talk about all the good things we're doing. But if we're going to win at Wake Forest, we can't do that. We cannot give up any kind of any kind of uh, game changing plays on the special team. So they call it Beamer Ball. I'm from Roanoke, Virginia, and they call it Beamer Ball, where you win special teams and that gives you a big advantage in the game, uh, especially in games like this where we're outmatched talent. We're a 16 and a half point underdog. You have to win special teams. I don't feel good about that right now. I'm hoping that unit can come out, make some kicks, make some plays, not give up any large penalties, not give up any large returns. All right, I'm off my soapbox, John. I I hope that uh, we don't get canceled for the rest of the year. Uh, what is uh What is your thought on uh, going down to Wake Forest? That that atmosphere down there. I asked Les Johns this about a little bit earlier. Um, they kind of have a similar trajectory of Liberty. Uh, although at, at the the P5 level, they're just now experiencing some recent success. Um, he told us it was going to be a sellout down there for, for Liberty. Um, how exciting is that? And what kind of atmosphere do you expect from down there? Um, is this team legit? I just can't wrap my mind around Wake Forest having a legit football program. Uh, what have you seen so far? What are, what are the pundits saying around the country? Um, is this Wake Forest team a legit top 25 P5 team, or are they just kind of uh, – sometimes you get that benefit of an early schedule or something like that, or just name recognition with Sam Hartman and the coach and kind of things they've done in the past, or is this truly a top 25 team and program? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to, to making the trip down there and, and seeing this atmosphere. I was down there in 2012 when Turner Gill was coaching in his first career game and at Liberty. And, uh, you know, the atmosphere at Wake Forest has not always been the best, right? I mean, you know, it, it's not the, uh, uh, you know, hotbed of college football necessarily, right? But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, he um, – yeah, I think they see 35,000 there at Truist Field and yeah, they're expecting a capacity crowd. So it's definitely not going to be the way it was at Southern Miss. I mean, they might have, I think they might have had 15,000 there if, if that's correct. And, and they, they made some noise at times and was trying to make it a hostile environment, but this will be a little bit more of that than, than, uh, than what we saw at Southern Miss, uh, this weekend. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, Wake Forest is legit. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I was expecting them to be ranked in the top 15 preseason. And if you remember, the the news about Hartman being out came out about a week prior to those polls being released. So, uh, you know, if you ask Damien Sordelad, which he's a, a voter in the AP Top 25 poll, and I talked to him about it at the time, uh, you know, they a lot of people dropped Wake either either out of their polls or down to 24, 25 in the preseason, where a lot of them, if you go back and look at the way too early preseason Top 25 polls back in the summer or, or spring, uh, you know, Wake Forest was, you know, in the top 15. I saw some places they're in the top 10. Um, so, you know, I think him and, and when the polls were coming out and when people had to put those picks in is nobody knew how long Hartman was going to be out. I mean, nobody knew what his illness was. They just knew it was a non-football related illness. 
And, you know, he could have been out for four weeks, six weeks, the whole season. Nobody really knew. And, you know, I'm shocked he's back after one week. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, they're a legit top 25 team. I think, uh, you know, they have, they got, you know, we'll, we'll find out a lot about them, you know, here in these next three weeks, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Liberty, of course, but uh, they got Liberty. Then they got Clemson and Florida state, their next two games. Uh, so we're going to find out if they're legit over these next three games. And if they win all three of those, they're going to be in the top 10. And uh, I think they have the potential to do that. I mean, they're very good on offense. I mean, they got one of the best offenses in the country. I don't care what you say. I mean, Hartman's a legit quarterback. You know, he, he's an NFL quarterback. Coach Freeze and some of the defensive staff already said this is the best quarterback we've faced since we've been at Liberty. And Liberty's played some good teams with some good quarterbacks over the past three or four years. Uh, you know, so this offense can – I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they scored 50 or 60 points against what we think is a very good Liberty defense on Saturday night. Um, you know, but at the same time, we'll see. You know, it, it, like I said, it's going to be key. Can Liberty score enough uh, to keep the game competitive and, and to make it – uh, a, a tight game and within doubt uh, in the fourth quarter. That that's what I'm I'm curious to see. Yeah, John, you stole my next question. He's easily the best quarterback we faced in my time here. Is what Josh Aldridge had to say. I was just going through the list: Hendon Hooker, uh, Matt Corral. Um, you know, there's probably the list goes on. That's pretty high praise for Sam Hartman and this unit. Um, you know, it's important that we get pressure with four people and, and four guys rushing and uh, do the job. So, um, you know what? Special teams, uh, getting pressure, facing Hartman, all of that kind of stuff. Guess what? We're 2-0. and We're playing with house money this weekend in Winston-Salem. If we lose, I hope we cover the spread just so that uh, just so that Richie Longshots is losing. But it, it, here's the other thing is like, we don't have to win this game. We obviously want to win every game, but we don't have to win this game to be bowl eligible, to have a successful season. Uh, we're we're 16 and a half point underdogs. We want to win, but we don't have to win. Um, I guess that's my outlook. What's your outlook on this in terms of what it means for a successful season? Do we have to go down there to Wake Forest? Uh, I guess <clears throat> what I want to see, I want to see Caden Salter take that next step forward where I know that he's the guy. I'm still getting a lot of questions in the in the press conferences and then just some of the plays I'm seeing that are busted. Um, I want to know that he's the guy going forward for the re- remaining nine games of the season. And then I also want to see our defense be tested. I mean, this is the best offense we'll play all year, most likely. I mean, Virginia Tech and BYU, they got good offenses, but they're nothing compared to what Sam Hartman and those guys are putting up. So if our defense can get pressure with four and make a few turnovers, they're legit a top defense in the country. So those are the two things I'm looking forward to. Uh, Despite a win or a loss, I don't think is as important to me right now. Uh, And that's coming from a guy who wants to win every game. John, what are you looking at and what are your kind of expectations this weekend? Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with a lot of what you said. I I think – uh, here, here's the way I'll sum it up. I think a loss does not ruin the season. It still sets you up to have a very successful season, still sets you up to have, uh, you know, big games on the horizon, right, against BYU, uh, Arkansas, and Virginia Tech. You can still have some statement wins in some of those games. So a loss doesn't ruin your season, uh, but a win can make your season, right? I mean, if you win this game – like we said, it can set you up to to have a 2020 type Liberty football season. 
challenge to be the best Liberty football team of all time, get ranked in the top 25, have a college game day. I mean, remember we had college game day coming to Coastal back in 2020 before Malik and others got COVID and that game got canceled. So that was the type of season we were having then and and were ranked in the top 25. A win against Wake Forest Saturday sets you in line to do the exact same thing. Now, of course, if that happens, we'll talk next week this time about, okay, well, now you can't, you know, fumble the bag against, you know, Akron, ODU, et cetera, et cetera. But a win can set you up for the, the best season, the most hype season of Liberty football history. Well, we got an opportunity here in front of us to go down and win. I mean, we've won the first two. That has set us up here to go down to Wake Forest, play with some house money, try to get that dub, and create what could be the best season in Liberty history. It all comes down to this weekend. If we play well and we can get this win somehow, I will be convinced it's we're set up for something very special. If we lose... We're, we can still do something special this year. It's kind of kind of a, a win-win situation here. No, no problems if we lose, but if we win, man, it would mean so much. John, uh, thank you so much for your time here. Got a little housekeeping to do here, and that is, one, thank you to producer Nick Kirby. Uh, I'll be honest with you guys. He hates football. So for him to sit here and listen to all of us talk about college football, he's probably bored out of his mind. Uh, but Nick, uh, you've taken this show to a, a completely different level and made it so much fun to do and so much fun to watch. Uh, so thank you for your time and effort on this. Uh, it's been incredible. Looking forward to basketball season. Um, Nick in, is going to host a um, he's going to host the basketball show. So here sometime soon we'll have a transition from the football. So uh, really looking forward to that. John, thank you for your coverage of the team. Again, I don't want to get accused of uh, uh, accused of being a John Manson fanboy like I was last week, but I am a John Manson fanboy. It's all good there. And, and lastly, I wanted to say Richie Longshots, he is absolutely uh, dynamite. Like he killed it tonight. It was so much fun to have him on and uh, he does a great job. Thank you for all the preparation that he puts into it. And with that, um, yeah, let's let's get it. And uh, let's go get that dub down in Wake Forest. John, I'll see you there. You guys have a great week. Nick, thank you so much.